0: Flip to Freedom, episode number 25. Hello again, this is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast. I'd like to welcome you to episode number 25. Now, if you're brand new listening, I am here to help you escape the nine to five and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you're brand new, you know nothing about real estate, Um, You're just getting started, and uh, you have no cash, no credit, and no experience. Now, in this episode, I am going to discuss how to get the contract from a motivated seller, negotiating techniques. Now, this is a continuation of the series on a fast track to your first big check. In episode 24, I discussed how to find deep discount properties. Episode 23 talked about building your real estate investing dream team. And episode 22, which was the first part of the series, The Secret to Finding Tons of Cash Buyers. Now, if you would like to listen to these, you can either go to iTunes and uh, search flip2freedom.com or uh, just go to flip2freedom.com. the number And once you go there, you'll see a video of me on the front page And uh, there'll be a spot where you can enter your email address and I will email you a link to a free comprehensive blueprint on how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less. Um it's a detailed comprehensive 129 page blueprint that I pretty much go through everything on exactly what you need to do to get started in real estate flipping properties. Now, why do I talk about flipping properties? People ask me that. Um why not why not buy and hold or why not fix and flip or why not commercial or why not this or why not that? Because flipping properties is basically is is the first step when someone's brand new and they're getting started. Um, when you're, you know, I, I've fixed and flipped. I don't know, probably 120 properties uh, in my lifetime. And fix and flip, you have to have cash. There's a lot of due diligence. You're actually purchasing the property, and there is a ton of risk involved. And that's something that you have to be at a certain level of investing experience that I believe to be able to take those risks. Now, flipping properties is great because you don't have to have cash, you don't have to have credit, you don't have to have experience. You can get started and you can make cash quickly. And, uh, and then if you want to move on from that point after you flip some properties, then you can move into the, uh, to the buy and hold and actually buying and holding properties, which I am a, a, a big advocate in because, because, uh, property values will increase here in the next, you know, five to seven to 10 years. And, uh, you can make a windfall. I mean, we in, in, we held 200, 120 rental properties, um, in 2003, 2004, and we sold them all in 2005 uh, between May and November and it was unbelievable i mean it was just is this crazy now will the market ever come back to 2005 i don't know but the market will come back to a certain level. It may take five years, ten years, seven years. Who knows how long it will take? But if you have cash flow properties, um, then it can pretty much set yourself up financially. Now, I don't want to get into too much of that in detail. Let's talk about exactly how uh, you can get a fast track to your first check. All right. In this episode, we're going to talk about what to bring to a meeting. Now, let me back up. In the last episode, we talked about uh, finding deep discount properties, meaning you're going to be marketing to motivated sellers. Where can you find motivated sellers? Well, you can find motivated sellers through people who inherited property, through um, sending them a specific marketing uh, uh, material that we use, what's called the yellow letter. Um, You could actually uh, find motivated sellers through probate, through absentee investors, Um, You can find it through the internet, having a website set up and uh, having people search keywords, they hit your website and fill out a form, um, and you can get leads that way. So there are literally hundreds of ways to find motivated sellers. There are tons of motivated sellers out there. There's free and clear properties where people don't even uh, own and have any debt on the property. Those are great. People are motivated and want to get out of those properties. But in that episode, we talked about strictly how to find them, marketing for these uh, motivated sellers. And basically we left it off last week um, that now we set the appointment. Okay. We're going to set the appointment with the motivated seller. I told you, it basically showed you exactly what to say, um, what to say with them on the phone, the information you need to get on the phone with a motivated seller, how to determine if it's gold or dirt, uh, which makes a big difference. And uh, now what we're going to talk about is actually going on that appointment. And when you're going on the appointment, you've got to figure out, well, what do I bring to the meeting? Okay. How do I prep for the meeting? What are the, what's the, basically, what's the five step procedure to getting the contract? And what are the um, five negotiating techniques that you can uh, basically seal the deal? Now, also, too, I mean, I mean, like I said, we're going to go in each one of those. Also, too, if you have been following, um the podcast for a while you have heard and also if you read the book um about the flip to freedom academy well i uh, we're in launch phase right now as of uh, the time of recording this and if you go to flip to freedom the flip the number 2 freedom academy.com you'll see uh, a large video of me and tons of comments of people that had uh, have interest in uh, this academy and basically what this academy is is going to be a membership where you can get coaching on exactly how to do this business, it's affordable coaching program. Now, I was just talking to a friend of mine that was here, and, we, and he was looking into coaching for, for you know for real estate and stuff. And before we met, and um, and uh, I mean, he was looking for you know, other some big gurus out there. I don't want to name names, but I'm, I'm talking talking thirty thousand dollars for coaching, twenty five thousand dollars for coaching, a thousand dollars for coaching, you know, nine thousand dollars for coaching. You know, that is a lot of money. And I know if when I got first started, there is no way I would have ever paid $25,000 for coaching, you know, so I wanted to create in this academy an affordable coaching program where people could get involved in real estate and they could have someone that they could lean on, someone they could schedule an appointment with and talk to about a deal, um, about the obstacles of how to overcome them. And And if you watch the video at flip to freedom Academy, I show you a couple different different things. I show you first off, um, why now is the absolute perfect time. I also show you in that video, the, um, number one reason, the number one component between, um, either you succeeding or you just floundering and it is imperative and you've got to watch the video. It's uh like I said, there's been tons of comments on it. You also, um, I also talk about, um, um, the difference between, uh, success and failure. And also when, when people get involved in real estate, they want to learn as much as they can and they listen to all this information, read all these books and do all this stuff. But what happens? You get information overload, um, and, and you don't know which way to go. See what I, you know, try to teach is the fastest, the easiest, and the simplest way to get your first check. And that is dealing with motivated sellers. You know, there's these big REO things. You got to get and buy this, you know, do REOs, flip REOs. Well, when you're getting started, flipping REOs is pretty intimidating. I mean, you have to have a proof of funds letter basically saying that you can close on the deal. You have to show the banks. Either the letter is legit or it's not. I don't know. But you also have to come up with earnest money, thousand, twenty five hundred, through whatever city you're in, typically 1% of the purchase price. Um, and then you've got to go through a certain inspection periods. And then you're going to get a 30-page bank addendum document. Um, that's going to, uh, intimidate the living heck. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that when you're first getting started. So, you know, you don't have to deal with that with, uh, dealing with, motivated sellers. You can, um, literally not even, you can sign a contract. You don't know, even have to open up, have earnest money. I've, I've done deals where you don't even have to have earnest money, which is, which is awesome. So that's what I, I pretty much advocate and talk about, uh, through this, but you can go to flip to freedom Academy. You can watch that video. Um, and if you want to participate in the uh, launch of the Academy, and uh, it's exciting. I've got some great stuff up my sleeve, and I think you're going to absolutely love it. I'm giving some unbelievable, my internal spreadsheets um, on, on exactly how to uh, know uh, what type of marketing you have to do and what type of check you're going to get. It's priceless. It's it's uh, awesome, awesome. spread. Anyone I show that to is just like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So I know you're going to love it. All right. Now, let's talk. Back up here. Let's get into this. Let's get let's get into the meat and talking about specifically. You might want to uh, listen to this a couple times because we're going to go in uh, depth on this. All right. Big picture. We're going on a meeting. Okay. I want you. I want you to be with me here on this. Basically, you've talked to a motivated seller. You booked an appointment. And now we're preparing. We're going to get in the car and we're going to go to this meeting with this motivated seller. If you're working a job, you can set that, you know, any type of evenings. Evenings are great. Or you can do it on weekends. Weekends are great. I mean, I have – I do lots of appointments on the weekends and I do appointments, you know, on evenings for people or I do appointments during the day. Um, But the big picture is is that, you know, when you're going in – and you're uh, meeting these motivated sellers, you have to go in with a confident attitude, number one, and number two, with the intent that you sincerely want to help them out. Um, and you can do that by building rapport with these people and really being interested in why they want to sell the house. And if you listen and ask the right questions and um, you can solve their problem, if you can help them solve their problem, then you will get the deal. I, there has been so many times, um, you know, not a lot, but so many times where I have went in. And I've sat down with a motivated seller and then they go, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to a couple other people and then they go turn around and talk to a couple other people and they always come back to me and say, well, you're, you're just so nice and so sincere and I, you know, I, I really think you're the one for us that, uh, that, that could buy our house. And it, it, many times that happens even though I'm a lower price. They're willing to go with a lower price than these other guys, and I still get the deal uh, because I'm sincerely interested in trying to help them solve their problem. Okay. Now, preparing for the meeting, we need a couple things. First off, we need a lead sheet. When you're talking to these motivated sellers on the phone, you're going to be gathering information. Uh, The information, if you want to listen to episode – Uh, 24. I'll tell you exactly the information you need to gather uh, on that lead sheet. But some of the uh, real basic things are loan amount, how much they owe, uh, what they believe the property is worth, what a ballpark price they'd like to get for the property, obviously the name, the address, the telephone number, and motivation level. You're trying to figure out what the motivation level is uh, with these people by asking a simple question. The simple question is this, is that if we could put something together, and we could buy your house. How fast would you like to sell? And they're going to say, "Well, I would like to sell in a week. I'd like to sell if you could, if we could put something together. I want to sell this sucker tomorrow. I'm sick of it." Or they go, "Well, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just looking around. I'm trying to get the best price. You know, I'm in no rush. You know, I'll just keep it as a rental." Well, that right there is telling you there is not motivation. The first part I said, the the first response, that is definite motivation. They want to sell, and they want to sell quick. Okay, so preparing for the meeting. Got to have a lead sheet. Um, Lower comparable sales in the neighborhood we'll talk about. Letter of authorization, tax roll sheet, purchase contract. All right, so... You've got your lead sheet. You're looking for the motivation, loan amount, and other details. Now, lower comparable sales. Why would I want to bring lower comparable sales? Well, it'll all make sense uh, once you uh, listen through the end of this. But um, lower comparable sales, and in in, in certain neighborhoods, there are bank-owned properties, especially now. There's short sales, and then there are um, just regular third-party transactions. Across the country right now, there is a high-density of uh, transactions that are REO or bank owned properties that are considered distressed sales. And what basically the situation is, is that, is that those sales are typically lower um, than the regular traditional sale. So I will bring those comps as a gauge, as a reference point to basically go off of what properties are selling for. Now, I've met with people where I've been um sat down and talked to them and they say well I want to get 75,000 for the house. Um, and I look, I show them the comparable sales and I say, listen, you know, I mean, there's comparable sales are going for 55 to 60,000 in the neighborhood. And look at, here's an active property that I can buy right around the corner for $62,000. This one is a similar size, a similar bed. So what makes this house? And it doesn't really look that bad from the pictures when I looked at it. What makes this house? You know, uh, you know, are your house better than this house? Obviously, you know, it has to have a fifteen thousand dollar premium. So what it does, it brings people quickly back to reality. And I'm going to get into the actual negotiating techniques and how to use that um, to uh, to get the best price possible. All right. So we got talked about lower, lower comparable sales. You want to pull those, and you can pull those from places like. Um, um, you can use uh, eAppraisal, you can use Zillow, it uh, works great. You can use uh, Total Real Estate View, you can just Google that and you can find that. But that's a great site, it pretty much pulls everything uh, together uh, for pulling comparable sales. Um, and now it can give you information of what has sold, potentially what is for sale. Um, and then the, uh, you would need a letter of authorization, and that will allow you to have the seller authorize you to speak to their bank. Now, if they have a loan in place, let's call it $50,000, um, then you want to be able to pull a payoff and figure out exactly what that loan payoff is. Now, a title company will typically do that, but I always get a letter of authorization just in case I need to pull that payoff. Okay, and also a tax roll sheet um, I always want to try to pull a tax roll sheet on the property um, that um gives me all the information like the parcel number the property maybe the legal description if I need that for the contract um you I always basically when I fill, filling out the contract there I, I use the information right off the uh the tax roll sheet all right and also you need a residential purchase contract um which is uh, ext- extremely important because you got to buy the house using that contract now um I usually have a pre-filled out purchase contract. It's already pre-filled, already done, Um, not obviously with the address, but – or with the terms, I have it pretty much all the boxes checked that I need to have checked, everything um, in order with all the contract clauses that I want to have in there. Um, I did an episode. You can go on uh, the Flip2Freedom uh, website and you can search uh, contract clauses. I think it's one of like episode 18, 17, whatever. Um, but I tell you exactly the contract clauses you must have in the um, – uh, in the contract. So you have zero risk when signing that contract with a motivated seller. Okay. So um, how do you get a contract? Well, you can ask a realtor um, in uh, episode um, number 23, I talked about building your real estate investment dream team. Uh, ask the realtor, I said, hey, can you send me a blank copy of your uh, residential purchase contract? Or you can Google in your area you know, let's say, you know, Columbus, Ohio, you know, residential purchase contract and see what comes up. You could potentially do that. Um, or within the academy, I actually have uh, the Flip2 Freedom Academy inside there. I have all the forms that you can download, all the contracts, all the option agreements, all the lead sheets, all the um, goal sheets and, all, and software and everything you can uh, imagine inside there. So um, if you become an academy member, you can download all that stuff in one place, which is great. Now, how to prep for the meeting. Get Getting mentally prepared. First off, you want to go in and you want to know you're getting a deal. Um, going confident, you know, and it's uh, – if you ever read uh, Think and Grow Rich, um, Napoleon Hill, um, or or even Og- Ogmandino, it's basically the um, – is that you're assuming the sale? You're assuming that you're going to get the contract on every deal I go in. I, I'm saying, listen, I'm I'm going in with the one motive to get the contract, and I'm going to do, you know, and build the rapport and 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 uh, and make it happen and 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 get and assume that sale. So that's what I typically do. My mental mentally prepare for it is knowing that I'm confident and I can go in and I can, I'm going to assume the sale, um, and know exactly what your bottom line is. Okay, if you know in your head. Now, there's a formula. I'm going to tell you what, to, what basically what to look for. When you're bas- wholesaling a property to a cash buyer, what works and works to sell a property quickly is this formula. You take um, the after repair value uh, times 0.70, 70%, less the repairs equals the sell price minus Whatever profits you want to make equals your bottom line, okay? I'll give you an example. You have a $100,000 house. Let's say that's the after-repair value. All fixed up, fully renovated, beautiful, completely uh, new AC, new roof, new new kitchen, whatever it is. It's fully decked out, ready to go, and the after-repair value is hundred dollars Well, 70%, right, would be $70,000. Uh, let's say that needed $10,000 of repairs. Well, $10,000. Uh, minus 70000 is 60000 So that's your sell price. That's what you know you can sell that property fast for, uh, $60,000. Now, if you want to make $10,000 on it, your bottom line is $50,000. If you want to make $20,000, your bottom line is $40,000. I always shoot to make $10,000 on every deal. Um, so in that case, my bottom line in my head, remember I'm mentally preparing for this, would be fifty thousand dollars going in I'm knowing that exactly uh before I even go into the appointment. Now also you want to focus on building rapport. Building rapport is crucial. Um, also too uh, prior to the meeting, uh, prepping for the meeting, I always drive the neighborhood. I want to know exactly what I'm talking about about this person's house. When I go in, okay, I'm I'm obviously going in to make an offer and make a a, a cash or offer on the property that I can purchase it within a 30 day period. Um, now, obviously, I am you know, back up. I'm not going to pay cash for the property. I am going to sign a contract with that, and then I'm going to flip the paper. I'm going to flip the contract um, for that $10,000 profit. So when I'm going in there, uh, I want to know exactly about the house. I want to know, uh, you know, the neighborhood. I want to know what's selling in the neighborhood. So what I'll do is I will drive around the entire neighborhood and I will look for realtor signs and I'll call those realtors and try to find out what other properties are selling for in the neighborhood. I'll try to find out the square footage, the bed and bath, if it has a pool or not, and if it's been fixed up or not. So I'll go in and I'll call the realtors anywhere from you know 20 to 30 minutes before my meeting. So I know exactly what I'm talking about 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 their neighborhood um, if it comes up. Now, the other reason why you want to do that is this, is because as soon as you try to, you have it under contract and you try to sell the property to a cash buyer, and that cash buyer is going to do two things. They're going to be a fix and flip investor, or they're going to be a buy and hold investor. That investor, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go drive the neighborhood and they're going to say, hey, there's a house down the street You're offering it for 60. I can pick it up for 52 and it's a bigger house and you're going to feel like a schmuck. You know, you're going to be like, well, sorry. He's going to say, "Why why is your house so great? You know, and if you don't know how to answer that, if you don't know the neighborhood, you kind of look kind of stupid. So. What you want to do is drive the neighborhood because you know your investor is going to drive the neighborhood. If you have two or three houses in there that are similar square footage that are on the market for sale and it is lower than your bottom line, then you need to adjust your bottom line to make sure it's lower. And I would use those comps like crazy. I'd be, I'd be telling the seller, I'd be like, listen, just drive down the street. Four doors down, there's a house, same square footage, three bed, two bath, and it's for $52,000. And you want 70? It doesn't work, you know, but you can work with those and you can negotiate with those. um, Knowing that information, going in without knowing that information is a big mistake. All right. Now, six step procedure to getting the contract. First one is build rapport. Second one is find every issue wrong with the property to point out to the seller. Um, You want to ask them why they are selling and what is the minimum amount of cash they would take for the property. You want to have them say the first number. We'll talk about that. Show them low comparable sales. And then you want to start backing out fees that that would take to get to a net number that they would get if they were going to turn around and sell it for that number. And then you always ask, what's the best you can do? All right, so let's go through it. Let's talk about building rapport. How to build rapport. Now, when building rapport... There are a couple different things you can do. The, first off, you have to have a sincerest interest, and it's all about asking the right questions. And you're looking for a common thread that you can build a rapport. I remember I went into this house, and I'm, I was, I'm a prior U.S. Marine, right? And I was in the first Gulf War. Well, I went in the house, and I saw the guy had military stuff on the walls, and I started talking to him you know, about the military stuff. And we found a common thread that we could talk about. He was in the Army. My dad was in the Army. I was in the Marine Corps. And we we just basically talked about military talk. If there's if – that is a very, very, very quick way to build reports to try to find that common thread. But the way you do that is when you walk into the house – now, picture this. You're at the front door. You have your, um, you have your lead sheet. You have your comparable sales. You have a letter of authorization. You have your tax roll sheet. And you got purchase contracts all in a nice little neat folder. And you're sitting at the front door, and you got your pen. Don't forget your pen, um, because you look like a schmuck when you try to write out a try to write out a contract, and you got excuse me, you have a pen. That's called un- you know, not being prepared. All right, so you have your pen, you get all the information, you're sitting in front of the door, and uh, you ring the doorbell and you're waiting. The guy opens the door and says, Hey, you know, you have your appointment, come on in. You walk inside the house, you look around, and you start looking for stuff. You know, and you start talking to them. You say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, you know, what's up? Hey, good. How's your day going? Okay, good. Oh, and here's the here's the cat. You know, if they got dogs or cats, forget it. I mean, I I mean, I love dogs, and you know, not really cats, but love dogs. Anyways, but you know, and I always play with the dogs or whatever because uh, people are passionate about their animals. Um, so you know, animals look for pictures, look for kids. You just don't don't go right to that, of course. Be natural about it. But when you go in, you want to build that rapport. And start asking questions. Oh, is this your family? Is this this? And is this that? How, how long have you lived here? Um, what's your career? Ta- get them talking about working, talking about their, their life and what they like to do. But it's just uh, when you go in, you're looking for that key thread um, that you can build rapport with them. Okay? That is uh, I- extremely important. Um, once you get them, you'll know you start building rapport. Once you get them talking about themselves and you show a sincere interest in them and then you asking lead up questions. So they go, oh, yeah, you know, these are my two boys. They're in – one's in California and one's in uh, Georgia. And uh, the one in Georgia is – he's in computer science. And the one in California, he's a professional surfer. Oh, my gosh, really? A surfer? How's he like doing that? Oh, he loves being a surfer. I mean, he's great. He gets to live on the beach pretty much all the time. He's making good money doing it because he's really successful doing it. And, uh, well, do you go out there a lot? Yeah, we go out there all the time. Does he have any kids? Yeah, he's a couple grandkids. You see where I'm going with this, is that – is that you can you can lead on that conversation and get them talking about about themselves and they start talking about themselves, it works great. Okay. That that's how you start building then they start feeling comfortable because you're interested and you're asking questions about them. Have you ever been with a person that you meet and they all they do is talk about themselves? Do you feel a connection with that person? Absolutely not. No, you don't. You feel a connection with a person that you can share with. Well, don't be that guy Is going to sit there and talk all about yourself and what you do and what you're looking for. Be the guy that is the intent listener and the guy that can ask the right questions, and you will get the deal. All right. So building rapport, number one. Number two is find every issue wrong with a possible, every issue possibly wrong with a property. Now, have some tact, please. Uh, don't go in and just say, Oh my gosh, you're, you know, you have a scrape on the wall, you know, that, that devalues at $50,000. You know, um, have a little tact. Go in and you want to nonchalantly, you know, point out just like that you know that you noticed it. Um, I always look inside the closets. Um, I look up you on know, the ceiling if there's any issues with the ceiling. If you see some discoloration and stuff like that, I always point that out. I always ask a question and say, you know, hey, was, was there ever roof problems? I see discoloration in the ceiling. Um, any type of, um, you know, you see any type of, you know, black mold or something like that on the baseboards in the bathrooms. You know, point that out and ask questions like that. And asking the question – Is um, you know trying to find out more information on the property, uh, you know, on the quality of the property or any if there's any potential issues. Um, So when you want to walk the house and you're building rapport, you're building rapport. While you're walking the house and you're asking questions about the property, you're asking questions about them, um, and you're slowly walking around the house. Don't go quickly through the house. Really take your time. I mean, I go through and I write them on my my, uh, manila folder. Every issue that they tell me, I write down on that folder. So when I'm talking to a cash buyer, I can tell them, you know, what what is the issues with the property? And I can tell them, and I I have the information right there in front of me. All right? So – so you want to ask, you know, you know, what, what I go through, I always ask to look for the biggest things. Okay, how's your air conditioning or heating unit? How's the roof? How's the AC and how's the plumbing? Um, those are the big, big ticket items that's going to cost you a ton of money to get fixed or cost, uh, cost a buyer, you're, you're a cash buyer, a ton of money. And I ask them, say, you know, what's the biggest problem with the property, you know, you know, that happened in the next, past couple of years? And they're going to say, well, you know, and they'll start going on about the property of what... You know, what's bad about it or whatever. And they, they won't be too much, you know. I mean, but, you know, take whatever they say and multiply it times 10. Um, but ask them that. What's the biggest thing that's ever happened with the property? Now, has there any been any insurance claims on the property? That's very important. Um, ask that. And then, you know, ask about how the roof is, the plumbing, the heating, cooling, electric, and anything like that. Septic, if they have septic, is important. That's Those are big ticket items. Okay? Now, ask them why they are selling. And you want to do this nonchalant. So, you know, you're, you're walking around the house. You're asking, building rapport. You're talking about their kids surfing in uh, in California and how they got grandkids out there. And they like going out there. And you're you're looking at the house and, oh, yeah, it looks like, oh, you know, there's an issue here with this. And it looks like, you know, there's an issue over here with this. And, you know, so, hey, why are you selling? And they're going to go, well, you know, you know, I'm just, you know, I – well, my wife passed away and the house is too big and I want to move to California to be with my son that's surfing and live on the beach with him and hang out with the grandkids. That's what I really want to do. And, and I'm you know I'm running out of money and I really want, want to make money off the sale of this house so I can go do that. That, my friends, is motivation. And you found that information by building rapport first, walking around the house, and then asking nonchalantly why they're selling the house. And then you say, listen, well… If I could help you achieve that going out to California, how fast would you like to go out to California? And they're going to go, well, you know, geez, man, if I could get this house sold, this albatross, this thing off my back sold, I'd be there tomorrow. Wow. So, you know, so if we could do this quickly, what would be the minimum cash you'd take for the property? Mm -hmm. They're going to go, well, uh, you know, uh, maybe 50 grand. Okay, fifty grand. Okay, you know, and then keep walking. Okay, well, what? Then, then I, you know, I, I just gather information, and then I start going back to the house and start looking at different things. So now I am gathering information in my mind of how to construct this offer, <laughs> you know, and uh, and gathering all this information. Okay, so you're doing this off the cuff, okay, while you're building report. Um, now, if they say, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I, you know, I didn't think about it. You know, and what, what, I don't know. And I say, no, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. And just say, you know, ballpark. Just give me a ballpark. What are you thinking? I mean, because obviously you're thinking something. You need a certain amount of cash to go to California, don't you? And they're going to like, yeah. I say, well, ballpark, what are you thinking? Now, you don't want to press the issue too much. Only if you can. If you built a certain rapport with people, you can push the envelope, but not every time. OK, now what happens is now you're talking about the low comparable sales. OK, um, now you've walked around the house. You have built a rapport with them. You have now you're getting down to, to sit somewhere. You got to sit somewhere and you're going to talk. And typically, it's at the kitchen table. At all, most bills and, and everything are, in, are paid at the kitchen table. That's where business is done. Uh, so I always try to find a kitchen table if I can and sit down with them. Okay. and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show them the lower, lower comparable sales. But first off, I'll try if I can. Not every time, if I can, I'll get that ballpark number from them. If I can get that ballpark number, then great. Then um, then I can go in. You know, then I wouldn't even show them low, low comparable. I wouldn't show anything about comparable sales, especially if that number is lower uh, than those comparable sales. Remember, I did my homework prior to going in. Now, if they gave me their ballpark number, if the ballpark number is higher. Than my comparable sales or where I need to be. Then I will show those comparable sales and use that as a set point um, to negotiate from. Okay. Now, let's say theoretically they gave me a lower number than my bottom line on their ballpark price. Then what you immediately do is you go into the negotiating, which we'll get into in, um, on exactly how to get that even lower. Um, but now let's say theoretically, which is most of the time, their number is going to be slightly higher or higher than your ballpark number. Now, if they're completely out of whack, you're not even going to be on the appointment because you're going to do a, a soft pass on it, like we talked about earlier, um, on exactly knowing if it's a gold or dirt. Now, if if the guy wanted one hundred and seventy thousand and you're only going to offer, you know, fifty thousand, that's your bottom line. Well, that's dirt, and you wouldn't even be at the appointment in the first place. So obviously, the guy to a certain level is gold. And, uh, and you can be able to um, uh, get them to a certain point to make it a win-win for both of you. All right. So now that you show them, it sets the expectation, and you say, listen, yeah, you know, see, I, I understand you want 75 or $74,000 for the property. But I mean, if you look at these low comparable sales right here, I mean, I mean, look at some of these comparable sales. There's a house right around the corner that's going for $62,000. You got another house that's going for, you know, $58,000, you know, and those look in pretty nice condition. I mean, I did drive-bys on them. I looked at the pictures online and they are very nice houses, you know, and I, you're, you have a nice house, but it does need upgrading. Wouldn't you agree? And they're going to say, yeah, 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 I agree. Now think about it. Let's say, theoretically, Joe, whatever, you're going to list your house with a realtor and you're going to try to compete and sell against these guys. Well, the average time days on market, you're talking, you know, at least 90 to 120 days it's going to sit on the market. So now you're not going to be at the beach with your son and, you know, and the grandkids for at least 120 days to even get an offer. And then be, by the time you even have to close the thing and then you're going to pay the realtor a 6% realtor fee. Um, In this market, because obviously you know as well as I do, Joe, it's a buyer's market, isn't it? And he's going to say, yeah, well, guess what? Most buyers ask for concessions to closing costs. They want you to help pay pay their closing costs. And it's typically a 3% concession. Then you have a 5%. um, They're not going to offer asking price. I have not had a deal in this market where a buyer offers asking price. If your property is, say, theoretically 60, you know, 62000 or $60,000, it's typically going to be 5%, three or four to $5,000 less than your asking price. So now you're down to $55,000 just on the, just on the, uh, just on what they're going to offer. Well, then you're going to have to pay title fees and closing costs. It's roughly 2%. So roughly 16% right off the top of gets you down to a net number. Now I didn't do all the math. <laughs> you know, right here in our theoretical example, I guess I could for you, um, but uh, you know, basically, I mean, if you take that, I mean, you know, if you take your offer, let's say, let's say you say you have a comparable sale of let's say sixty-two or sixty, you know, sixty-five thousand dollars of comparable sales, you would back out six percent, you'd back out three percent concessions, you'd back out fifteen percent, you'd back out two percent, you know, and. You back all, all those different numbers. So, you know, on that $65,000 comparable sale times 0.16 is basically taking $10,400 off the price. So now you're down to a net number 10400 at fifty-four thousand dollars. Now remember your your bottom line price there is fifty thousand dollars. Now you're at fifty-four six. And you say, listen, that would be a perfect, you know, case scenario. And that's saying that they can close. Well, this property might not even appraise. You know, I'm going to one that's going to have to take a risk. And that's for a conventional sale. That's for someone that's going to stick it on the market. They're going to go get a loan. They're going to go get an appraisal. They're going to go through that. And that's what you're going to net after potentially 120 days sitting on the market dealing with people tramping through your house you know, all hours of the day, whatever, to try to see if they want to buy the house, dealing with a realtor and trying to go through all this stuff. They're going to give you inspection items, which I didn't even mention on here, inspection items. They're going to give you a 25-page report of everything they want you to fix with the property, or they're going to blow up the deal. Now, Joe, you really want to do that or you want to go to the beach? And Joe's going to want to go to the beach. So you say, listen, I'm obviously going to close it probably is going to take me about 30 days to get all the paperwork the title work and everything on the property but I can get it done but I need to be lower than obviously 54 I need to be lower than 50 so if I could do that and I could pay cash and I could close quickly Joe what would be the best price what what would be the minimum amount of cash you would take for the property and Joe's like man I you know I wasn't thinking that low but you know I guess it, it sounds like you know what you're saying you know maybe we can do you know could you do 50 Oh man, you know, 50's, fifty makes me uncomfortable, Joe. I mean, fifty makes me uncomfortable. Uh, honestly, I mean, it's a great house, great neighborhood, but I could, you know, I could, I could probably put an offer in on the one down the street and probably pick it up at a similar price, and it needs less work. You know, Joe. I mean, really. I mean, do you want to have all the hassle? I mean, is that the best you can do? Now, that's a negotiating technique. Okay, asking is that the best you can do? Um, is is crucial? Uh, because it gets them to a point. Now, two things are going to happen. One, they're going to say, "Well, you know, I'm, you know, I, I can, I can I, maybe I can do, you know, 48." But 48 is it? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lower. I'm not, I'm not going to lower. Now are you sure, Joe? I mean, 48. I mean, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. I mean, look at this whole list I have of everything that needs to be done on this property. Are you sure is 48 the best you can do? And he's going to say, well, you know, no, four, I could do maybe you know, 47 and that's it. Now, now Jury, sure, 47 is it the best you can do. Two things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to keep moving. And if they keep moving, you keep asking. And what do you keep asking? Is that the best you can do? If they keep moving, you keep asking. Okay, you got that? If they stop moving, you stop asking. Give an example. Joe comes in and I say, Is that the best you can do? And he hits 47. He goes, That's it. 47. I'm not taking a dime less than $47,000. Okay. I'll say, Okay, Joe, let's write it up for $47,000. So if we get this done, $47,000. You're in, right? Okay, great. So you write it up for $47,000. Now, remember, is that you can, now if he says, Well, you know, I'm going to think about it. You know, the whole, the whole think about the thing. I'm going to tell you how to squash the whole think about thing. Think about is, um, is people, uh, contemplating to consider, to evaluate, to want to think about it, right? Well, I don't like think about it. Um, so what you do is this, is there's called what's called fear of loss. Okay. There's desire for gain and there's fear of loss. Fear of loss is the biggest, largest, massive motivator known to man. Fear of loss. And there's desire for gain. Desire for gain is, oh my gosh, I want to be at the beach. I want to be with my son. I want to be with the grandkids. I want to be surfing. And fear of loss is like, oh my gosh, if I don't sell this thing, I'm going to be sticking on the market. I might not even get this amount and this offer might go away, right? So how do you use fear of loss? So so Joe goes, you know, he goes, well, I want to think about it, okay? All right, Joe, I appreciate you want to think about it, and I can completely understand, but but you know, I just wanna be straight up you here's my situation. I only have a limited limited amount of funds, right, uh, to be able to purchase houses. I've got several appointments I'm going on, uh, and then you know later today and tomorrow. I only can commit to buying one property. It's either gonna be your property that we're gonna to commit to right now, and I'm gonna allocate the funds to your property or Joe. Um, I'm gonna leave here, and then if I find another property, then I uh, might have to commit to that property. And guess what? Our deal is no more deal. It goes away. Because obviously, like I said, now I might have to revisit it in 30 days. But you know what? The market, man, it's kind of crazy out there. So you know what? It might decline. This offer is good and it's good now. So if you want it, let's write it up. If you don't, that's fine. But I can't guarantee it tomorrow because I might find a better deal tomorrow. Now, I'm telling you, 99.9% 99.9% of the time, okay, let's call it 0.8, 0.8% of the time, they go, okay, let's write it up. And you write it up right there on the spot. Write it up right there on the spot. Now, remember, when you're going in and negotiating, I've talked about, about about um five secrets to negotiating. Well, I already gave you the fifth one. <laughs> I kind of jumped ahead on that one. But the first one is you don't want to act desperate or needy. Do not act desperate, don't go in there. you know, I gotta get this because I gotta pay rent. <laughs> you know you don't you't know, you go in there and say, "Hey, if I get the deal great, if I don't, oh, well, guess what? I've got other appointments I'm going on. Hey, you know, Joe, if I can make it work, great, hey, listen, but you know what, Joe, I'm swamped right now, I got a ton of stuff going on, but you know it's it's great house, I like it, but you know if I can't if we can't make it work, that's fine, Joe, you know I mean, you, know, maybe I'll call you back in hundred and twenty days when you have it on the market and see if we can do something then. You know, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure we'd probably be pretty, pretty wanted moving at that time there, Joe. So uh, I could call you then. So don't act desperate, and never, ever, ever believe the bogey. What does that mean? Never believe the bogey. Have you ever heard? You're gonna, you're, you will hear if you haven't heard already. Someone says, you know what? I got an offer for a higher price. Or they go well, you know. I get another guy who's interested, and I think he's going to be making an offer. and could maybe be a higher price. You know what I say? I say, great, take it. When he falls out and he can't get the deal done, you call me. I say, and I say, hey, you know, it's a great pleasure meeting you. I got to run you another appointment, though. It's a, it's been a pleasure. Don't ever believe the bogey, and because there is, I mean, for an example, I mean, people call me as soon as you say that. It calls their bluff, and they go, "Well, you know, but if we can make something work, you know, I just I'd just rather get it done now." And the bogey goes away. Call their bluff on it. So someone says, "Oh, well, you know, I get an offer for a better price." Okay, great, take it. Why are we even talking? Well, you know, go ahead and take that. When they fall out and they can't get the deal done, you call me back and we'll get it done. All right, all right, Joe. You know, but hey, I've seen people get strung out for months on end trying to get a deal done because they thought they were going to sell it and try to save a couple bucks. You know, hey, Joe, do you know what I'm asking? What's the price? Oh, it's sixty-five. Hey, hey, listen, Joe, you know what? For the extra fifteen or $17,000, go for it. Take it. But you know what? I can't, you know, like I said, if the guy can't close, call me. I've had a lot of people um, either, A, call me back because there was no bogey or call me back because the other person didn't close. But 99.9% of the time, let's call it 98% of the time, there is no bogey. There is no other deal, and it's literally – puts them off right there and just takes them off that if you just call them on it. All right. Never say the first number. Always use ballpark offer, or 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 if if you have to say the same number, go through this process of backing out realtor fees, concessions, you know, you know, uh, you know, low offer, closing costs, you know, uh, inspection reports, and cash and close and stuff. Use those techniques to get to a low number, and then work from that low number. Okay. If if they force you to name a number, if they force me to name a number. My number is going to be low, you know. And sometimes they take it. Some guy forced me. Well, what do you want to pay for it? Well, I'll pay thirty thousand dollars. My bottom line is fifty, and they go, "Okay." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and they take it. So I just built in an extra twenty thousand dollars profit on the deal. Okay, I'll take it. Now, I want to tell you one thing real quick. Actually, not real quick. It's uh, yeah, I'll be real quick because we're almost done here. Um, I want to tell you what this business can do for you. I always try to end with a quote, but I want to end with a story this time. You know, I talk about all these, you know, different things in the, in this business is uh, is you know of uh, learning it and and uh, and be having the freedom to do what you want to do to you know with what you want to do it. I know there are some people out here, and there's um, people I know here that um, that I uh, you have met and worked with here in Phoenix that we you know, we do deals together and stuff like that. Um, that are in a situation where they they are in a, either a dead end job that they hate it's negative environment that they can't stand. And, or they're in a, um, you know, they they just haven't found their niche in life. They're either bartending or waiting tables or, or they're in that job that they just, they just, it's not the one, you know, they're not excited about. They don't wake up on Monday going, yeah, they can't, they're not. See, what's great about this business is that you can get you can learn this information and you can apply it and you can become successful and you could be further than you've ever dreamt possible. I mean, further than you've ever dreamt possible to where you could set yourself up financially for the rest of your life. Like I said, I and mean, if you watch my video, I posted at Flip2Freedom Academy, it tells you now is the time to get started. But let's picture this. Let's say you get started. You take this information, you apply it. You get started. Let's say you become an academy member. Let's say you don't. Let's say you just take all this free information, which is way more than I ever got, and you applied it, and you uh, went out and became massively successful, which would be unbelievable. I'd be so happy for you. And uh, and now you have a you know a house, you know maybe a couple houses, and you have cars, and you have your family, and you can do what you want when you want to do it, and and you literally basically took you out of the trenches and put you in a position because, like I said, flipping properties is not the end-all, be-all. Flipping properties is the start in real estate. Then it becomes fix and flip. Then it becomes buy and hold. Then it becomes possibly commercial land transactions, big towers. Whatever you want to do in real estate, you can do it. But this is just the beginning. So, and I grew up in a family that my father was a cop. Um, very strict his entire life. Not didn't make more than thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Um, you know, and making double that a month right now in his whole life. You know, and and um, back east, I'm from Vermont originally in a small little town and uh, called South Burlington, and and uh, very small. But he was very strict and had a temper that just it was just just amazing. Um, and I remember. You know, I'm gonna tell you, and I've never said this in public. But I mean, you know, my wife knows, but I mean, it's I can't believe I'm sharing this, but but I want to because I think it has relevance. So basically, the um, my younger sister was uh, brought home from the hospital, brand new born. My grandma, was, grandmother was there. My dad was there. I was I was there. We were in a little tiny apartment in in Vermont, South Burlington, Vermont, right by University of Vermont High- uh, College. And, uh, brought my baby sister home. Didn't even, I I wasn't in the hospital there. I was actually at home with my grandmother. So I didn't get to see the whole hospital thing. And I was so excited. I was about seven, eight years old. Okay. And, you know, they brought, you know, my, my sister in, you know, that remember I waited nine months to see my sister and brought her in. I'm just so, I I couldn't fidgety, you know, I'm pretty wound up guy anyways, but man, at seven years old, forget about it. Um, but I was excited, and I was, like, trying to look at, you know, and, and my, my grandmother was actually holding uh, my sister Lauren. And, you know, I was, you know, trying to peek over and look and, you know, see the baby. And, you know, and uh, she was in a rocking chair, and I was kind of, you know, hanging on the side of the rocking chair. And my dad said, you know, hey, don't do that. You know, and and, uh, and I, I, I did it one more time. One more time, I got up on the rocking chair, and I looked over at my, do- at my sister. And I wanted to see here, and my dad grabbed me by the back of my neck, threw me in the bedroom, and he had a belt that was had um, braids on it that was oh, unbelievable. I mean, just, and he began to just beat the living crap out of me and uh and i remember that to this day because i remember literally crawling the walls to try to get out of that place and it was you know i mean just terrible and i mean i have kids now i mean i've got two daughters and i can't imagine imagine doing that to my kids i mean i I just can't imagine but i mean it was the most exciting time of my life and just beat the living heck out of me i mean and i was so excited i mean it just I mean, it just wells me up right now just even talking about it. But, you know, my dad and I, we we reconciled, um, sort of, you know, kind of. You know, there was a lot of times we didn't talk um, for, I mean, for a long time, especially when I joined the Marine Corps as 18 years old. Um, I, you know, went off and went to war, in you know, the Gulf War and did my own thing. And, you know, and a lot of my motivation came from um, that whole thing of – uh there's no better revenge than massive success, you know? So I looked at, you know, that, you know, I'm just going to shove it down his throat with success. And, and it was, yeah, it was vindictive and it was, it was not right. And I've, uh, you know, I've got over that, you know, to the point to where I've grown out of that, I guess you could say. Um, But there's for many, many, many years that, um, you know, that we didn't talk. I would call home, and you know say hey how's it going my dad would pick up the phone and he's goes like oh yeah here here it's you it's here, here's your mother and he just passed on the phone to my mother never really had a conversation with him, never really you know had that connection or whatever we just we just didn't mesh i guess you could say it's like oil and vinegar we didn't mix at all um so but i remember that uh, this was like a couple years ago i remember it was like in, you know when when uh, they actually came out here i think it was you know, 2004, 2005, um, and, you know, market was going unbelievable, making tons of money, had a house in California, had a you know, beautiful house here. Um, we built a $150,000 pool in our backyard or more with a, not including the landscaping. I mean, just sick. I mean, just awesome. Right. And, uh, and they actually saw that and, you know, and, and saw all that what was going on. And, and I remember that, that, uh, you know, when you walking around, you know, the house and stuff and, you know, he actually came up to me and he said, you know what, Sean, I'm proud of you. He said, I'm proud of you. Now, my dad has never said in his entire life that he was proud of me. And it wasn't because of the stuff. It's not the stuff. I think it was just because that I grew the person I grew into, I guess it could be. But he said it was proud. And that I'm telling you, literally just whew, blew me away. That's what this business can do for you. You might have parents or people that you're not close to, or whatever it is. Use that motivation. There's no better revenge than massive success, but don't let it bury you. That's a negative you know, basically motivation. You turn it into a positive to turn around and get success. But you can, whatever depth of hell that you're in, wherever you are, you can get out of it by doing this business. Flipping properties is the way out. And you can become more and be more and get out of the situation you're in so fast and have a blink of an eye. But I'm going to tell you one thing. It takes work. If you think that you're going to get in this business and you're just going to go, oh, I'm going to try it for six months or try it for two months. I'm just going to see if it's going to work. That's not it. That's not the attitude. You're going to make it work. You got to say, you know what? I'm going to make this work. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how many leads I have to talk to. I don't care how many appointments I have to go on. I don't care how many cash buyers. I don't care how many bandit signs I have to put out. I don't care if my finger is bleeding from writing yellow letters myself. I am going to make this happen. And if you have that burning desire, that attitude, that drive you will succeed i promise you that you will succeed and you will go to heights that you never have dreamt possible i promise you that and i want to end the episode with that and for the people who are going to be working with me in the flip Two freedom academy i am so excited to work with you because we are going to crank it out we are going to rock the house, and we are going to create so many success stories. They're going to make so many people proud of you, and I'm so excited to do it. And I have a special, special surprise that's literally going to open it up to where anybody can get involved in the Flip to Freedom Academy. Now, limited seats, mind you, but it'll be open to anybody. And I'm going to—I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a secret. But I um, have been inspired to do it, and uh, and all I can say is go to flip2freedomacademy.com, get on the waiting list, the early bird list, because I have a feeling. I mean, it's, this thing is going to go fast, and uh, I want to make sure that you know if you're serious about it, and you want to get involved, get started, and uh, go to flip2freedom. Watch the watch the video. Uh, flip to Freedom Academy and get on the early bird list. And now there will be a question on there too that you can answer. And if you answer that correctly, then you can get a free iPad. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, actually, well, it's, it, it'll be entered into a contest, and I'm going to pick um, the best two answers to the questions, and I uh, will pick the two, um, and then um, from the from the. Best two responses and uh, from, from people, and then I'll send you a, a free iPad. So you can learn more about that at flip2freedomacademy.com. Now, next week we are going to talk about opening escrow because now you get the contract, right? Basically, we just left it. Fear loss. <laughs> now we're getting the contract. Now we're going to open up escrow. Now we're going to turn around and sell the deal super fast. Now, if you get a smoking deal, the deal will sell. I promise you that. It will sell and it will sell fast. If you don't, it's going to kind of linger. So if you go above your bottom line there, it's going to linger. But if you do have it and you have it below your bottom line, you will sell that property and you will sell it quick and you'll make your very first check. Now, don't forget to uh, download my free book at uh, flip2freedom.com. You can go there. And until next week, I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investing career. Take care. God bless.